Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. Happy Thursday. It is almost a huge college football weekend. Actually, there's, there's games going on right now. Big 12 games, TCU, Texas Tech going on right now. This is a big, big weekend. Big weekend in the Big 12. You got Texas and K-State. You got Bedlam, Kansas, Iowa State. Big weekend in the SEC. You got Alabama, LSU. We'll talk about that a little later in the show with T-Bob Bear, our favorite former LSU center. Big win in the Pac-12. Got USC and Washington in LA. And of course, the Big Ten. All eyes will be on Michigan as they return to the field. But the Big Ten, casting our eyes toward next year. With the release of the 2024 conference schedule, which actually has dates of games. And if you're wondering, like, what will USC's debut Big Ten game be? Well, it'll be at Michigan on September 21st, 2024. UCLA's first Big Ten game. Indiana visiting the Rose Bowl on September 14th. Oregon's first Big Ten game will be against UCLA, so it'll feel like a Pac-12 game. But then they play Michigan State at Autzen on October 5th. Washington, they get Northwestern and Seattle on September 21st. They also have to go to State College on November 9th. <laughs> USC, they get Penn State at home on October 12th. So 
this will be fun. This is a lot of fun. This is stuff to get us talking. Of course, it's also a little bit of a distraction from what is going on currently in the Big Ten, and that the athletic directors had their bi-weekly call on Thursday. The coaches had a call on Wednesday. ESPN reporting that that call got a little contentious, that Jim Harbaugh was on it for a while, then he got off so as to allow the other coaches to speak their minds on the sign-stealing accusations that are surrounding Michigan. And according to ESPN and The Athletic, multiple reports, there were quite a few coaches that were not pleased with this situation, would like to see the Big Ten do something. Now, we talked to Nebraska coach Matt Rule for the show today, whereas all those other quotes were off record. We got on the record quotes. He would not divulge specifics of what happened in that meeting, but he did have some pointed comments about acts that affect the actual game itself while not pointing the finger directly, you'll get his point. So let's, let's listen to what he had to say. This is part of an interview that you're going to hear later in the show, but probably good to hear it now. Yeah. I think, I think it was a chance for everybody just to kind of uh, talk about, you know, how, how they felt, how they were impacted. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, obviously uh, uh, Tony Petiti, I think is a wonderful commissioner and, you know, I'll, I'll keep all the comments in house, but um I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people's lives, livelihoods, jobs, their seasons, players, players' health. I mean, all kinds of things have been impacted by this. And so it was an opportunity really for all of us for the first time just to kind of see what's going and, and, and talk about it. Like we talk about everything really as, as coaches. I mean, the Big Ten does a great job of having um, regular coaches calls. This one was just specific to that um, to that incident. I know your season's going. When, when that stuff comes out, do you go back to that game and, and look at anything, or do you just kind of move on and, and deal with it later? Um, I think um, I think you just sit there and say, you know, you sit there and just feel really bad for the players on both sides, um, you know, because this is this is this is really our last chance to teach young people how to go out there and compete and overcome adversity and 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 go through ups and downs and highs and lows and you just hope when you do this that no side ever has an advantage over the other that's not gained and earned appropriately. And um, as we tell parents that we're going to teach them how to be young men, I think the first thing we teach them is integrity and honesty. So if uh, if I ever feel, and I can't I can't comment on the specifics of this because I don't know, but if I ever feel like my guys have been shorted, um, uh, that's uh, you know obviously I'm here to fight for them. That's uh, that would certainly be that would certainly be heartbreaking and disappointing to me as someone who loves college football. You know, it's one thing when it's recruiting, but when you when you when the, when we mess with the sixty minutes of the game, um, that's uh, that's really 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 impacting. Because I'll tell you this, Andy, guys, players go out there and they get hurt. Um, and if uh, if I ever knew what plays you were running, my guys are running the ball before the snap. Um, I don't know that that's fair to the health and safety of our players or anything. So uh, I certainly hope it's I certainly hope it's not what, what everyone says it is. Um, but I don't know, so I can't comment on that specifically. So we. We don't know what Matt Rule said in that meeting, but we know how Matt Rule feels about that particular situation. And I think there's probably some other coaches in the Big Ten that, that feel the same way. The question is, what would be done, could be done about this now? And we've talked about this multiple times about what the NCAA can do, how that process works. And I'll give you a refresher. Remember, they investigate they give a school a notice of allegations. The school has three months, 90 days to respond to that. The NCAA then has 30 days to respond to the response. So it's a pretty slow process. The Big Ten, 
the commissioner has latitude to discipline players, coaches, we think teams. Uh, if you look at the bylaws, the, the commissioner has some options here. But here's the thing. The commissioner can only do a fine that does not exceed $10,000, a suspension of no more than two contests. If they want to do more than that, major disciplinary action is what it's called in the bylaws. That has to be approved by the Joint Group Executive Committee, which is a, a group of representatives from all the, the different Big Ten schools. That would require that group to say, yes, we will endorse this more harsh punishment than usual. I just, I can't imagine them doing that. One, it's bad for business for the Big Ten to take a team off the board that could win the conference, could win a college football playoff game, could win the national title. And that's where Michigan sits right now. But two... There's another part of this that I'm not sure people have considered, and that's if the Big Ten or the NCAA or anybody tried to take Michigan off the board this season. If they tried to ban them from the postseason this season, there's a group that would be adversely affected that would probably want some, some action taken on their behalf, and that's the Michigan players. Remember, these rules weren't collectively bargained. This isn't like the NFL where Roger Goodell's authority is essentially collectively bargained and the players have a hand in determining the scope of, of what he can do. This was decided by the schools unilaterally. The players had no say in it. So if I were a Michigan player and I got banned from the postseason, I would sue the crap out of the Big Ten. And I imagine that's exactly what most Michigan players would do. There are probably lawyers already circling around just in case that happens, because they would probably have a case. Because remember, they had no say in those rules. They also didn't do anything wrong. Nothing that's come out to this point suggests that any player had any knowledge of anything or did anything wrong. And it's not like the NCAA rule that says the coach has to know what everybody's doing or the coach is responsible for what everyone in the organization is doing. It's not like that. The players don't have that same restriction. So if I were a Michigan player and something happened, I would absolutely sue the Big Ten or the NCAA or whoever issued that sort of punishment. And that's why I think another reason why I think nothing's going to happen this season. I think they're going to be able to play out their season and the NCAA will investigate and potentially the Big Ten too. And they will issue discipline in the offseason NCAA, possibly the Big Ten too. And then we'll see what happens. But I just, I can't imagine for all of those reasons I just said, I cannot imagine them doing anything in season, even if it's something that the league's other coaches or the league's other athletic directors want. But we'll see. All right, enough, enough off the field stuff. Let's talk about the games because this is a great weekend of college football. And that includes the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They're going to Michigan State. Is that a game that is going to affect any sort of national title race, college football playoff? Nope, 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 nope. But it is a massive game for Nebraska. We're going to talk to Matt Rule about that. We're going to talk to T-Bob Bear, former LSU center, about what it's like to play in an LSU-Alabama game in this era of LSU-Alabama as the Tigers prepare to go to Tuscaloosa for a game that very well could decide 
the SEC West. Now, I know Ole Miss will have something to say about that as well if LSU wins. So we got that. We got all the stuff in the Big 12. In the ACC, Louisville, one loss, 7-1. They are going to play Virginia Tech at Louisville. Suddenly hot Virginia Tech. Remember Brent Pry? Everybody's wondering if he's going to make it. Well, they're doing well suddenly. We're going to talk to Louisville center Brian Hudson, who happened to start his career at Virginia Tech and also is just the greatest center you could ever have because, guys, get you a center that smokes baby back ribs for the entire rest of the offense. That's what Brian Hudson does. That's the kind of people he is. We're going to talk to him later today. Big show. Lots going on. When we come back, we're talking to Matt Rule from Nebraska. Bowl eligibility is one win away for the Cornhuskers. Given what they've been through, that would be a massive, massive step. We'll talk to Matt Rule when we return. But first, we got to talk about prize picks. That's right. It is the most fun daily fantasy platform. So many options. You can play pretty much any sport. You've got NFL, NBA, NHL, college football, of course, and you can make up to 25 times your money. Basically, you're picking as few as two players, as many as six, and you're deciding more or less than the projected total that prize picks gives you. So give you an example. Will Dylan Gabriel... Oklahoma's quarterback in the Bedlam game. Will he throw for more than or less than 250 and a half yards? Or Brady Cook, the Missouri QB. He's going to Georgia, 242 and a half. How about Carson Beck in that same game? Georgia's QB. He had a great game against Florida, but will he throw for more than 285 and a half against the Tigers? Meanwhile, Ollie Gordon, the hottest running back in the country, Oklahoma State, he could be the difference in that Bedlam game. The, the number that they've given him is much less than what he's run for each of the last three weeks. He's got 122 and a half, but Oklahoma's defense may be a little bit better than what he's seen each of the last three weeks. So what are you picking in that one? Luther Burden, that great Missouri receiver playing against Georgia's defense. This total, about where he is on average for the season. But would it be more than or less than 92 and a half? against that Georgia defense. That's how you do it. You pick two squares, three squares, four squares, five squares. You set your amount. Last week, I turned $50 into $250 just by picking groups of quarterbacks and deciding would they combine passing, rushing, receiving for more than a group of TDs. And the group I picked, man, they they churned out the TDs and I won. Download that prize picks app. Use the code Andy, and they will match your first deposit up to $100. So if you deposit $100, they'll match $100. If you deposit $50, they'll match $50. Prize Picks app, download it, easy as pie. Code Andy, get that $100 deposit match and get playing. There's so many options, and there's more as the games get closer. Friday night, I'll be going through some potential options on Twitter. You can help me figure out what I want to do. You can figure out what you want to do. It's a whole lot of fun. Download that prize picks app and use the code Andy. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks.
Matt Rule inherited a program at Nebraska that had not been to a bowl game since 2016. Guess what? The Cornhuskers, five wins headed to East Lansing. They can clinch bowl eligibility this week. This was a team that could not win one-score games for years, and now suddenly they are grinding out wins. How did they do it? What's the difference? And how do they fix some of the issues? This, this team fumbles a lot. Can they get that fixed and make sure they get bowl eligible? We talked to Matt Rule about it right now. We welcome Nebraska coach Matt Rule. We've been rocking out to his personal office playlist while he's been out of the office. We went, we went Amy Winehouse, Cody Jinks, and then old Dave Matthews ants marching. That's you are you're all over the place, coach. <laughs> that's that's Thursday morning for you right there. That's uh yo know, Dave is uh Dave is game plan mode. And so um I uh when I put on the the, the red zone stuff, I, I put a little Dave on. So Oh, so Dave is in the red zone. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. All right. Because you know, everything's compressed, so you, you need a little saxophone. Because you you told me you're you're more of a uh gray street kind of that that era of when when they they brought the old producer back and the song's got a little down again so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I, a good that's good red zone music yeah no doubt no doubt he's the best so long live lily white that's what it is i remember steve lily white so you guys are going to play michigan state the stakes are you can be bowl eligible if you win this game You've won a few in a row with a team that before you took over could not win one score games. What are you doing different that allows them to, in the fourth quarter, be able to put games away instead of let them slip? Well, you know, I, you know, I don't, I can't speak about before. I don't know how things were done. I, I, I do know um, we're kind of doing the same process we did at Temple and Baylor. You know, we, we practice really hard during the week. Um, Trying to convince the guys that it's really not about starting fast, though we'd love to start fast, but you know we want to kind of be like a, a body blows organization that 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 you know tries to play physical and um, get into the fourth quarter and, and and be confident and and make plays. And so I think the players are just really bought into it. You know we we, we practice really hard, and um, I think that gives them confidence when the game is on the line in the fourth. So you've had a lot of injuries on offense. You've had to adjust what you wanted to do. Uh, how much schematically have you had to adjust as the season's gone on because you've lost receivers, linemen that, that you were hoping you'd have? Yeah, you know, I think, I think you know, at the end of the day, we want to run the football. Uh, we want to be explosive in the passing game. Um, haven't been very explosive. And I think as of late, you know, we put the freshman receivers out there. They, they've opened the field up for us. You know, we've had some long touchdown passes the last couple of games. But I think Sat and the offensive staff have done a phenomenal job of just you know, figuring out what guys do, what they do well. You know, we started the season off with one quarterback, moved to another one. Uh, every week, you know, we lose three linemen to, you know, against Northwestern. We start three different guys against Purdue and find a way to get a win in the Big Ten. So um, I think those guys have just kind of grinded. And, you know, to me, offense is all about, you know, you want to have a core philosophy, but just tell me what your players do well and let's let's try to do that. Well, and that's the thing. You, Hiring Harburg, you've been building around him since, since moving to him. And it seems like, you know, it, it, it's weird because this is Nebraska. It's we know what made Nebraska great back in the day. You guys are running some option. There's a there's a touchdown against Purdue. The the long TD pass to Jalen Lloyd that is the speed option as play action. 
<laughs> Reminded me of a little Tommy Frazier. Now, they would have gone triple his play action, <laughs> but speed option is play, play action in 2023. I will take. Yeah, no doubt. We hit we hit a 50-yarder off of uh, the I formation option against uh, Northwestern. And, you know, the principles are still the same. I think the biggest thing, uh, Andy, is we played three or four games uh, with gusting winds that not many guys could throw the ball into. You know, against Illinois, we kicked off into the wind and ended up recovering it because it, it just got up there and blew back to us. So, you know, getting here, getting to the Big Ten West, playing in, here at Memorial Stadium, you know, playing at some of the other places – you'd better be able to run the football. This is not, you know, Baylor TCU anymore. I'm not playing in, you know, 90 degrees and, and beautiful. So the option gives us an opportunity just to mix it in, to make you have to work on it, uh, to create some elite play actions, to get the ball on the perimeter uh, on really windy days. We'll be right back with more from Nebraska coach Matt Rule. But first, let me tell you about bird dogs. I've told you, you want to live a life of maximum efficiency, you get your bird dogs lined shorts you can wear them anywhere they feel like they were made for you but the weather's getting a little cooler what are you gonna do you can't can't have your legs exposed to the elements oh bird dogs makes pants too don't you worry look at these the steven jobs beautiful lined also feel like they were made for you but they double as the best fitting chinos you've ever owned you can wear them to work you can wear them to dinner wherever you need to wear them. Also, Bird Dogs makes incredible joggers that fit great when you want to look casual and sporty. Go to birddogs.com right now. They've also got polos. I got the Fidel Bass Pro right here. So you can cover your entire body in Bird Dogs. Use the code STAPLES and you get a free Hydroflask style bottle with your purchase. So birddogs.com, code STAPLES for that free Hydroflask style bottle. Live a life of maximum efficiency with bird dogs. I am very glad you mentioned that fourth quarter touchdown to Malachi Coleman in the Northwestern game because I have a photo for you. I have a screenshot uh, for for the kids in the audience. And, and Matt, I, I've learned in the last few days that the audience is pretty young. Like they, we, we talked about the TV show Dallas on last night's show. They didn't know who that what show that was. Uh, kids, this is the I formation. This is a full, there's a fullback and there's a tailback. And when Heinrich takes the snap, he's going to fake to that fullback. That's called a dive. And those cornerbacks are going to go, what is this witchcraft? And they're going to crash. Touchdown. It was, I, I like brought a tear to my eye, coach. <laughs> you know, it's funny that, uh, you know, that fullback for us, Janir and Bonner, you know, great, great, great young talent, just a freshman. Uh, you know, he was a receiver, a uh, really highly recruited receiver. And, um, you know, he went from receiver to tight end. Then we said, hey, we'll play a little fullback. And, man, he'll, he'll go out and do it all. So, you know, I can't wait for three or four years from now where, you know, he's a senior. He's out there. He's running routes in the slot. And then comes back and we can get in the eye. I mean, I think the sky's the limit with the personnel that we have. How does that conversation go when, when you're talking to him about that role? Is it is it, hey, coach, whatever I need to do to get on the field? It's different with every guy. But with JB, man, he's going to do whatever you ask. Like, we've we've handed him the ball. We've, we've – uh, We've, you know, asked them to run down on kickoff. I mean, we, we have some guys here that just want to win. They want to play, you know, and um, I think I think the fact that we as a staff have a track record of putting players from Temple and Baylor, switching their positions, putting them in the NFL. I think the fact that, you know, we've been in the NFL, um, when we tell guys, hey, we think this is your best chance to, to get on the field now, and then eventually it's your best chance to make money someday. Uh, a lot of guys seem to be willing to do it. Um, they'll try it. And, and, you know, sometimes we move a guy, Andy, and, 
you know what, hey, let's move you back. You're better off at your other position. But I think they know we care enough that we're trying to get them on the field. Well, and I like the way you're doing it with a converted receiver because here's the part I can't figure out about modern offenses is everybody uses the tight end in so many different ways now. And you move him all around the formation, but so few people just have him right before the snap line up between the quarterback and the tailback, which seems like that would really diversify what you can do if that's in your toolbox. Yeah, I mean, we, we played um, last year in Carolina. It was my last game. I got fired the next morning. But we played the uh, we played the Niners, and it was like I mean, you talk about witchcraft. It felt like witchcraft, you know. Um, they could run all the outside zone plays, but then they could run all these other plays, and, and they, you know, they had Jusic on the field. And what personnel grouping are they in? You had no idea. Then you're playing the Saints. They have Taysom Hill. Like what, what what offense are they in? So, I think with us, we just when we got here, we said you know we want to run the football. Um, we want to be explosive. Let's get positionless players. Let's let's try to play like the Niners. Let's try to play like like the Saints with Taysom. And, you know, we thought maybe Heinrich would be that role uh, as he's emerged into the starting quarterback. You know, now we find other guys like like Bonner to do stuff with. So I'm curious, you don't have a, this is what I do. This is my offense. And how much of that is that as a young coach, you were a D-line coach, an O-line coach, a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator. How much of that is because you have coached everything? I think it's a lot of that, you know, um, I was looking at us on defense, you know, at, at Temple, we were a four, three and we were a, you know, a top 10 defense at uh, Baylor. You know, we got to Baylor. We struggled for two years. We moved to like the three down coach Heacock at Iowa States type defense. You know, we led the nation in sacks, I think, or we're in the top five and all these defensive categories went to, went to the NFL. And the first year we were the worst defense. The second year we were number one in defense or number two in defense. And we adjusted to more of a double stand-up edge, you know, mm -hmm. hybrid three-four type thing. We got here. Uh, Phil Snow, who had been with me for a long time, left. Tony came in. Tony's a three-three-five guy. So to me, defense is not about the scheme. It's about how you tackle and block and get off blocks, and it's about how you practice. Offensively at Temple, we were in I formation. We went to Baylor. You're we more spread. Um, you know, here uh, we were kind of got, kind of going back to our roots. So. I just think I, I like to look at the players. I like to say to myself, like, hey, what do they do well? But at the core of it, you know, we want to run the ball and stop the run. Uh, we want to create explosive plays and not give them up and win third down and score touchdowns in the red zone. It's not real complicated. It's just really, hey, hey, what's the best way for us to do those things? Well, you are leading the Big Ten in runs of over 10 yards. So that that it's happening. But I, I want to bring up uh, probably something that, that drives you nuts, and that's the ball security. I, you know, you opening kickoff like now you recovered that one but you had some other ones that, that you lost in that last game and I, I heard you talking in the press conference about the x factor about you know you've got the ball in one hand and then you bring the x over how how much does do you smile when Emmett Johnson as he's crossing the goal line untouched does the x factor to protect the ball coming across the goal line yeah you know it, it's um it's, it's, it's just kind of in those freshmen's bloodstream. Like it's, you know, Jalen Lloyd scores his first touchdown. He does it. Um, Tommy Hill picks off a pass. He does it. And it, it's one of those standards that we have. It's really, you know, I learned it from Christian McCaffrey. Like I, I showed them the video of Christian, you know, he's at the 49ers, I think at the time after, you know, we both left and he scores a touchdown. He's doing it crossing the goal line. Like, you know, to me, it's, 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 it's kind of the standard you want to have program wide that says, 
hey, even when I'm about to score, I know I'm not going to fumble. I'm still going to just do this one little thing um, because we know the ball is the most important thing. And 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 for me, Andy, like I, we're leading the nation in fumbles. We're leading the nation in lost fumbles. To be five and three with that happening, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so, uh, you know, extreme times, you know, they call for uh, extreme measures. And, and you know, we, we practiced ball security this week more than we ever have. And it, it's it's not any one thing. It's it's snaps. It's drop snaps. It's, it's, it's all kinds of things. And so um, to go up there to East Lansing and, and try to win a game uh, versus a really, really stout physical defense, we cannot turn over the turn the football over. But it was pretty cool to put a picture up at the team meeting of Emmett side by side with Christian McCaffrey and just say, hey, the standard is the standard. And uh, being able to show the guys, hey, this is what it looks like, not saying, hey, don't do this. So now do you do anything like, I, you know, the program, one of my favorite movies where Darnell Jefferson has to carry the ball around campus and everybody on the team is trying to knock it out. Do you, do you, with your skill position players on offense, do you do you hand them footballs and be like, all right, everybody go get them? It's funny. It's funny you say that because that that was uh, that was our running back coach's suggestion, and you know I, my point to those guys was like, you know what, guys, um, uh, a I don't want to get a call from some you know uh, uh, professor on campus whose class has been disrupted by our guys, like like happens in the movie, but um, but but also like it, it's kind of down to like three or four positions. It's just a couple guys, and so it, you know to me everything's technical. Everything is. It's not that they they're, they're not trying. It's like my golf swing. I tried really hard to hit it down the middle, but you know, if something's off. So how we hold the ball, just making it technique, but, but, but trying to really practice it a lot more and a lot harder. That's what we've done this week. One thing I heard you say earlier this week that I, I found interesting is that the, the players you inherited here were already pretty naturally process oriented, which I find interesting because it doesn't, I've always thought that's not a natural way of being, of thinking, okay, I, here's how, how do I practice to do this? How do I work to do this? Everybody, I feel like tends to think about what's the result I want. How nice is it when you have a group that's kind of already in that mindset already? It's been amazing. You know, I think it's a credit to Scott Frost and his staff. Um, to me, you know, if you're a smart coach, you follow good staffs. You know, I I remember watching you know, Urban Meyer, you know, one of the coaches I look up to, and he followed, followed Gary Blackney, you know, um, he followed Coach Weber at Utah. He followed, he followed coaches that had taught guys the right things. And uh, so I, I try to emulate that. I, I have a lot of respect for Scott. And so, um, but it's a very Midwestern value, right? Like, you know, you, you grew up on a farm. It's like, you know what you want. You know, you want a bountiful harvest. And you understand that in order to get that, you have to plant seeds very, very early on. And you can't have a day off. You can't have a bad day. And so for us, I constantly remind them of what they want. You know, we talk about the outcome all the time. We talk about the goal all the time. We just can't focus on it. You know, we just have to say to ourselves, okay, like, like we want to, we want to beat Michigan State. We want to win our sixth game. So if we want to win, we're going to have to play well. And if we want to play well, we're going to have to be in the moment. And if we want to play well, we're going to have to prepare at a high level. If we want to play well, we can't get distracted by a bad call or a bad play. And so, I think for me in year 11, fourth job, I'm way, I'm able to articulate it way better to the guys as opposed to when I was a younger coach and just saying like, hey, just do the process. Now I'm able to say like, hey, you 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 want this. So what steps do you need to take in order to get there? Let's just do those together. And you've coached teams that have been through lots of strife before. This Michigan State team has been through an awful lot. You know Harlan Barnett. This is their last game at home. Harlan Barnett, this might be his last chance as a head coach at, at Michigan Stadium. How much of that do you impart to the players is, hey, you have to be ready for these guys to play potentially their best game? 
Yeah, I, I don't think that we've um, at the University of Nebraska, you know, uh, like they sent out the, the conference sent out a bowl spreadsheet of like what bowls guys have been to because it impacts what bowl you can go to. And every team in the Big Ten has has a, their name on there except for us. So I don't know that we've uh, earned the right, you know, leading the nation of fumbles and not having a lot of success to start, you know, thinking ahead, thinking about things. I think our guys are pretty pretty locked into like, hey, we have to be in the moment. And I think the big thing is when you look at Michigan State, they have good players. I, I think, you know, in the midst of a difficult season, they've had some guys really rise up and play at a high level. I mean, Carter, the tailback, he, he played for our running back coach at UConn. I think he's a fantastic coach. And I mean, he's going to be a fantastic player. And, you know, it's like I told our guys before the Northwestern game. You know, all those guys could have jumped in the portal. All those guys in Northwestern stayed. They all battled. They all came together. It's going to be a fight. And that was a – and that was a 14-8 or whatever it was, 9-6. I can't remember what it was. But it was a, a one-score game in the fourth yeah. quarter. So so our guys know Michigan State. They know how good they are. They know how physical they are. And they know that on senior day, with all those guys have been through, that they're going to come out and they're going to battle. And I think that's why it'll be an even game down the stretch. So I, I do have to ask you this before I let you go. that There is a report out there about from ESPN about a, a Big Ten coaches call on Wednesday. Uh, discussing the, the situation in Michigan, you've you've played the Wolverines this year. You've you've dealt with that before. All of the the accusations came out, but can you tell us what what happened on that call? What what the discussion was about? Yeah, I think I think it was a chance for everybody just to kind of uh, talk about you know how how they felt, how they were impacted. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, obviously, uh, uh, Tony Petiti, I think, is a wonderful commissioner, and you know, I'll, I'll keep all the comments in house, but. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people's lives, livelihoods, jobs, their seasons, players, players health. I mean, all kinds of things have been impacted by this. And so it was an opportunity really for all of us for the first time just to kind of see what's going and, and, and talk about it. Like we talk about everything really as, as coaches. I think the Big Ten does a great job of having um, regular coaches calls. This one was just specific to that um, to that incident. I know your season's going. When, when that stuff comes out, do you go back to that game and, and look at anything, or do you just kind of move on and, and deal with it later? Um, I think um, I think you just sit there and say, you know, you sit there and just feel really bad for the players on both sides, um, you know, because this is this is this is really our last chance to teach young people how to go out there and compete and overcome adversity and 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 go through ups and downs and highs and lows and you just hope when you do this that no side ever has an advantage over the other that's not gained and earned appropriately. And um, as we tell parents that we're going to teach them how to be young men, I think the first thing we teach them is integrity and honesty. So if uh, if I ever feel, and I can't I can't comment on the specifics of this because I don't know, but if I ever feel like my guys have been shorted, um, uh, that's uh, you know obviously I'm here to fight for them. That's uh, that would certainly be that would certainly be heartbreaking and disappointing to me as someone who loves college football. You know, it's one thing when it's recruiting, but when you when you when the, when we mess with the sixty minutes of the game, um, that's uh, that's really 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 impacted. Because I'll tell you this, Andy, guys, players go out there and they get hurt. Um, and if uh, if I ever knew what plays you were running, my guys are running the ball before the snap. Um, I don't know that that's fair to the health and safety of our players or anything. So uh, I certainly hope it's I certainly hope it's not what, what everyone says it is. Um, but I don't know, so I can't comment on that specifically. So so before I let you go back to your team. You always talk about just winning the week, going one and zero. But if you win this week, you are going to a bowl game. You do get those fifteen extra practices. What would that mean to this program? Oh yeah, I mean, make no mistake, we want to go to a bowl game. <laughs> yeah, we need to go to a bowl game. I mean, we need to practice. 
we've got a really, really, really good young group of players. And so uh, practicing, practicing um, those extra practices would be so invaluable because uh, there's guys already that I say to myself, like, Hey, I think he can, he can start at this position next year. Or, you know, some older guys, I'm like, man, if I can move him from this to this, I think he can become an NFL player. So, you know, it's one thing to do that in the spring. And then if you're wrong, you're like, Oh man, I just wasted this kid's, you know, three months. But if I can do it in the bowl game and get a picture of it, they can see it. And then they can also see like, the guys have to make decisions. So I go in the portal. What do I do? If they can go through the, 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 the bowl game and, and, and try something new or do something new, I mean, they can really see where their, their future is here. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful that our guys will play well and that we'll have a chance to go play in the postseason. They can have a wonderful experience and our, our young players uh, and team can develop for the future. I know you're built for the wind and the, and the, and the cold, but – it's usually a little sunny where you go. So good luck with that, Coach. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, brother. That's Matt Rule. Big game for the Cornhuskers in East Lansing. He knows it's going to be tough. He knows the Spartans in their last home game not going to go quietly. So he, he's going to he's going to have to get his players ready. And as he talked about, they got to make sure that X factor, they get that, that hand across the ball. Do not let it slip. Next up, let's go deep into the LSU-Alabama game. That's right. T-Bob Hebert, former LSU center, man of just beautiful words. This is a man of passion. He's going to explain to us what it is like to be a part of the LSU-Alabama game when it is the focus of the entire country. Here's T-Bob. We welcome T-Bob Hebert, former LSU center, current host of Off the Bench on 104.5 ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge. Also co-host with the great Aaron Murray, Snaps. Yep. Great podcast on the Volume Network. Also, Rivals team. Down South. Yes, Rivals <laughs> Down South with my guy A.J. McCarron when he's uh -huh. not playing for the Bengals. And uh, an SEC Mike. Yep. So, and that, and that's on stadium. You watch it on, it's like tied in all those cable packages or youtube.com slash watch stadium. So I know you, you have limited time with AJ because he is, he has another job at this point, <laughs> but you and AJ McCarron this week. I mean, that's a, that, it's memory lane, Alabama oh, yeah. LSU week. I mean, Oh yeah. He about to catch these hands tomorrow. I'm, I'm about to go. I'm about to go all in on him. He's lucky these haven't been game planning for the Broncos or whoever the hell they play. I don't even know. Because uh, otherwise, I'd have already been talking that shit constantly all week long. When when y'all played though, that was when this game was elevated to yes, the best game in the country every year. What was it like those weeks leading up to you know, in those weeks of practice leading up to these games? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, it was the absolute best, dude. I and and it's funny because like. This is, and this is not unique to LSU Alabama because there are other games like this, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, certainly. But, but like, these are the sort of games that epitomize not just what makes college football great, but sport great. Like, these are the sort of games where if you have a rooting interest on Sunday, when even as a fan, I'm talking, I'm not even talking about the player respect, but as a fan on Sunday, when you start thinking about the game, you start to feel that tingling in your balls. You get nervous, you get anxiety, you get butterflies, you get excitement. Like, and, and it's something that I've ruminated on a lot this college football season, which is the older I get, the more I appreciate the struggle. You know, you know who wants to blow everybody out? A child, 
Okay. You know, you know who appreciates the push, the pull, the emotion, the feelings that can be brought out in you by a close, tough football game? A man. And 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 so what I've realized this season is, yeah, give me the struggle. Give me like what other form of passive entertainment do I consume that makes me feel the way that college football does, where it feels like one play, my heart's going to be ripped out of my chest. And the next second, I can't even breathe because I'm so excited that it feels like my blood is pouring out of my ears. Like, and that's what this game is for a hundred thousand people watching in the stadium for millions watching at home and for the players in this game. And so being involved in it, when it was such a massive thing, and it is again this week in college game days there, it's at night, it's in T town, hundred thousand strong. It is the single greatest feeling in all of sports. Why else did you commit to LSU or Alabama? Why else did you commit your life to training for football? Do you run all the one tens in a hundred degree weather in the summer? Do you wake up and forego things like partying or hanging out with girls? You see the frat boys hanging out on the front lawn playing beer die as you're waking up to get ready to go to do stadiums and crap like that. Like, why do you do all this sacrifice? for game day, the one fun part of the day. And it's most fun when there's millions of people watching, there's a ton on the line functionally. And if you have dreams of the NFL, you go ball out in this game, you put your best foot forward. So it's fantastic, man. It's everything. It is all of the old ABC thrill of victory, agony of defeat. It's all going to be on display for the players, the coaches, the fans. This is why we college football, Andy. It is, it is unbelievable, and I can't even imagine what it was like in those environments. Because I, I think back to, to 2010 in Tiger Stadium. You guys were underdogs. Alabama mm-hmm. has the returning Heisman winner, Mark Ingram. They're fighting for their national title lives at that point because they had already lost to South Carolina. And Les Miles eats grass, and you guys fake a field goal. And you, like I, I will never forget standing on the field after that game. You guys are filing back into the locker room. And this this song had just come out. So this was the first time I'd ever heard a marching band play All I Do Is Win. And oh. so the LSU band is, <laughs> is blasting All I Do Is Win from their perch near that end zone. The Golden Girls are dancing. You guys are just running through the crowd. High five. Like I can't, I can't even describe how cool that that scene is it's it's it is um again it is something that you cannot recreate in life now there are different feelings that are greater right i don't think there's a greater feeling on planet earth than having a child with someone you love um like the emotional high that you feel again is just it's unlike anything i've ever experienced but even that is different. Uh, we're talking about when you're talking about winning a game or playing in one of these games, it's, it's gladiatorial. Like it feels as if you're a conquering champion. It's barbaric. It's, it's, it's very raw. It's, it's pure ego, right? Like it's just, ah, it just makes you want to yell just to think about it. And what's crazy is winning at home is awesome. Because you get to celebrate with your fans and there's music and excitement and celebration and kisses and hugs. But winning away is pretty awesome as well. Like there's almost no greater feeling in all of sports than staring down the gaping maw of a dragon and basically saying not today and then slaying that dragon. So like when you run out 
for Alabama and there's 100,000 people booing you or Alabama gets their first big play and it feels like your eardrums are about to burst or your heart's about to vibrate out of your chest and by the end of the game, that crowd is quiet and sad and you see all the girls and boys with their surrender cobras trying to desperately explain why they're significant other they can't get it up later that night because they're so sad and defeated like that is maybe even a better feeling is going what is i mean conan said it best right what is best in life what is it to uh to 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 take your enemy's lands and hear the lamentations of their women like that's basically what lsu has the opportunity to do this saturday you were going Conan the Barbarian, and I was expecting you to go Conan O'Brien. So I, I, no, no. impressive, <laughs> impressive. Oh, I, I, you had some fun. I, I heard you with our friends at the next round, which is a, a show based out of Birmingham, and you were coming out hot talking about declining empires and yeah. dancing well, no, I mean, on the look, bones. Look, 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 Andy. Every year, I have an angle for Alabama fans. And like an epiphany from the sky, uh, this year's angle became oh so painfully clear. And it's quite simple. Um, if you look at civilization as a whole, uh, there's always going to be ups and downs. Nobody ever wants to be alive during a civilizational decline. It's an awful time to be alive. Imagine being someone in England when suddenly the Roman Empire pulls back and not a generation later, you're looking at all these bathhouses and temples and you're like, what giants built these? How is this possible? Right? You're suddenly in the dark ages. The barbarians have taken over. Nobody's awesome reading this. Right yeah. so, so, so it's like you never want to be in decline. And let's be real. Here's a harsh cold truth for any Alabama fan listening to my voice right now. You will never experience the heights that you have occupied for the last 20 years. I don't care how long you live. You will be dead and buried before you will ever achieve what you have achieved these last 15 to 20 years. So like a great athlete that peaks in their twenties or some young tech wizard that never finds another way to get value in their life after that, you've already peaked. And it's all downhill from here. And yes, look, progress is not linear. Decline is not linear. Maybe a sneak a natty in on the way down. But make no mistake, the consistency with which you have gotten to enjoy and cheer for will never happen again. And one day you're going to be dying. You're going to be on your deathbed. And you're like, oh, my God, that son of a bitch was right. And I hope you see my face floating above you as you breathe your last. And you understand that it really was the best from 2010 to 2020. You've already been cucked by Kirby. You let Steve Sarkeesian come and beat you by 10 in T-Town. Brian Kelly already won owed you. Like, it's just all downhill from here, boys. Who are you going to get to replace Nick Saban, huh? Who? Who? Dabo Swinney? You still want him? You think Lane Kiffin's going to do what Nick has done? Mm -mm -mm. Face it. It's over, Alabama fans. It's over, and it will be over every single day until you're done living. <laughs> I'm just imagining a generation of Alabama fans, their final words, T-Bob was right. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> oh, man, I can only get so hard, Andy. I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Give me nice and hot and bothered on this Thursday. Well, all right. To make this happen, as as you said, decline is not linear. They might sneak in another natty. They might yeah. sneak in an SEC West, SEC West championship this year in the final mm -hmm. year of divisions in the SEC. How can LSU avoid that outcome? Uh, this is a hmm. 
This is going to put a lot of our sports cliches to the test here, Andy. What do they say? You're only as strong as your weakest link? Well, we're going to find out because LSU clearly has the stronger of the strong links when you talk about this LSU offense over the mm-hmm. Alabama defense. Like, the Alabama defense is really good, but the LSU offense is otherworldly. In the same breath, LSU clearly has the weaker link of the weak links because the, the Alabama offense may not be great. You could even say bad, but they're not awful. This LSU defense has been awful for much of the year. So in order to win this game, obviously it starts with the offense. The offense is going to have to put up points. They're going to have a ton of success. Are they going to need to have a ton of success? I think the offense has to score in the thirties or they're not going to have a chance. Um, And then defensively for LSU's perspective, it just becomes a question of, can you do enough? Now what enough looks like is where I'm a bit on the fence, right? Because it feels like you don't want to allow um, Alabama to be explosive because that's what they have been this year, and that's where they've made a lot of their hay. And you're like, okay, let's force Alabama to play underneath you then, sustain drives, because that's when they tend to throw picks, make mistakes, whatever. And that sounds good unless Alabama actually is able to sustain drives. And then all of a sudden you're letting them control the clock. And then all of a sudden you're taking away from Jaden Daniels and you're limiting his possessions. So it's like, I don't know what the path is for LSU's defense. They just have to find a way. I know this. I know they got to play disciplined. Because they don't have great talent. So it's not like they're going to win one-on-one. So everybody has to do your job. You have to try to limit MAs as much as possible. And then you just got to hope for turnover luck at the end of the day, right? Like somebody's got to make a play. Uh, Like even in that Mizzou game, that's the only good offense that I would say the LSU defense had a successful half against. And a lot of that was because Harold Perkins came up with the big interception to kind of change the entire tenor of that game. Yeah, and that's it. The Ole Miss game and the Missouri game for LSU feel like very similar events. Mm-hmm. The difference is you played count the stops. Yeah. And Ole Miss got a couple of stops when it mattered. LSU got a couple of stops when it mattered against Missouri. And that's yeah. that's it. What, what does it feel like watching inverse Iowa? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's more fun than watching Iowa. Though, yes. though I do want to be, though, I do want to be clear about this. Like, let's really appreciate what we just had in Iowa because everybody's yelling for change and this or that. And you never quite know what you have until it's gone. And betting the Iowa under has been the goose that laid the golden egg for a couple of years now. And it's one of those amazing bets where it's like, it doesn't matter how low it is. I've bet the under multiple times this week just to do my part to help to drive it back underneath 30. I need <laughs> to have a ticket where I can screenshot it. And for my entire life, I can say that I bet an under 30. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to achieve that quite yet. But um, so, no, I mean, look, it's it's definitely way more fun than watching Iowa. Uh, but it's it's kind of mine. It's, it's maddening in its own way, certainly to be so ineffective on one side of the ball. And maybe unlike Iowa, it's a bit at odds with what LSU fans are used to as for, you know, a couple of decades there. It felt like LSU was Iowa, where yeah. the offense wasn't going to be anything and they were going to do it with great defense. And now the complete opposite is the case. It, but, but again, from a spectator standpoint, it's way tighter to watch like, you know, oh shit, there's another 50-yard touchdown. Like, yeah. like, instead of like, oh, another three and out with a solid punt. Hell yeah! Well, it, but it's it's just amazing because we were talking to Shay Dixon from from on threes, the Bengal Tiger, the other day, and he, he explained it. You know, he's like, "This is the the offense that was promised all those years. We're yes. we're gonna open it up. We're gonna go vertical. We're gonna throw to the tight end. Like this is everything y'all have ever wanted. Yeah, and it's and, the and one we'll, year you don't have DBs. 
And what's fascinating to me, though, too, is that LSU fans really should not take for granted that you're getting an otherworldly 2019-esque level of production four years removed yeah. from 2019 and with a completely different cast of characters. So that's kind of incredible to be able to have that otherworldly production, but with a completely new set of guys, not just players, coaches, so like everything, top to bottom new, and yet you're back there. That's kind of fun, and that's kind of exciting. And 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 I never want to lose sight of the fact that uh, this all goes back to the hard work that Jaden Daniels put in this offseason. This did not happen by accident. Jaden Daniels didn't take such a massive leap in his game just because he's older or more yeah. experienced. That man worked his ass off for eight months over the offseason to really learn progressions, to learn this offense inside and out. You know, uh, whenever you have uh, greatness, um, you have these sort of uh, tales that some will accuse of being apocryphal. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, right? But I love this story about Brian Kelly basically saying that they had to change the hours and change the rules for Jaden Daniels because he was like getting up there at 5 a.m., not leaving till 8 p.m. Like that man spent the entire offseason in that building watching, studying film, trying to improve. And that deserves to be highlighted than when you see the massive leap. Because like everybody thought he was a known quantity. Yeah. He'd already started 30 or 40 games, whatever it was. And now he's doing something that you've never seen him do in his career otherwise. Well, and it's we've seen multiple eras of Jaden Daniels, which yep. we're not used to that for a college player because you, there's a finite amount of time you can play in college. He's obviously getting the extra year, but he was kind of the wonderkind as a freshman at Arizona State, which when you're throwing to Brandon Ayuk and you're handing to Eno Benjamin, that can happen. Then yep. the decline, because he didn't have much talent around him, he comes to LSU, he looks somewhat one-dimensional, then mm-hmm. it starts to open up after the Florida game last year. And then what you said, the the, the just incredible work in the offseason, and he's just blossomed and looks like he's mastered he's complete. the He's offense. complete now. Yeah. Last year, they were having to, like a lot of coaches do with their system, last year they were having to split the field and basically give them like higher-low reads, right? Like yeah. really minimal thinking sort of passing setups. And then a lot of times he would just rely on his legs, and his legs are great enough where he would make something happen. This year, he's legitimately going through all of his progressions. He's working every part of the field, including over the middle on timing routes against zone defenses, which is something that he would never have done last season. And when he does run this year, he has been damn near perfect when it comes to the decision about when to tuck it, when to keep your eyes up, when to get forward. And the man doesn't get enough credit for being tough. He doesn't slide. I mean, maybe he should, right? He probably should, but he doesn't. He fights for extra yards. He puts his head in there. We all champion Joe Burrow for it. Jane Daniels needs some little respect as well because this is a tough son bitch, and he's well, been playing like it all year long. And he understands the way the rules work post-fake slide, post-Kenny Pickett's fake slide, because now you have to dive head first if you would like yeah. to get that first down. You can't, unless you just know exactly where that stick is and you know that you're past it, you can't he risk does, sliding He does first. this crazy, like... You know how in the, some of the old cartoons you would see a character um, when they'd be making fun of a skinny character? When you would see them horizontally, they would look yes. normal, and then they would turn vertical, and they'd be like that thin. Yep. Like that's Jaden Daniels when he runs the ball. He does these upfield cuts where he gets skinny and sideways, and he's almost like a cat like flattening itself through the door crack. <laughs> he just It defies physics, and he just finds a way to kind of just, just slip right through. 
Well, but before I let you go, I got to ask, because you do co-host a show with, with Aaron Murray, Captain Bulldog. What about Missouri-Georgia this week? Because this feels like a the start of a very rough stretch for Georgia where they go Mizzou, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rough How stretch feel for Georgia. About yeah. Rough stretch for Georgia. Two of these three games at home. Wouldn't you know? I, um, I I look, I feel I it, it look to be clear, yes, it's three ranked games for Georgia, so it's better than nothing. Um, I think Georgia rolls. I think that uh I love Mizzou. I just don't see where they have the advantage. Um, yes, Luther Burden, you could say, is maybe better than anybody Georgia has, but then everybody after that is better than anybody uh Mizzou has, has right? Yeah. Like maybe Cody Schrader, I don't know. So if Mizzou does win this game, let's be clear, massive, massive credit to Eli Drinkwitz and a massive L for Kirby Smart because there's no excuse for losing it. Like you're a 15-point favorite for a reason. You're more talented at every single position group and you're at home. Um, I hope that Mizzou plays very well. I hope that Mizzou wins the game. But the other thing about it, Andy, is, and this is where all roads lead back to Lord of the Rings, uh, you never want the full Eye of Sauron focused on you right you want Sauron <laughs> to be distracted you yes. want him watching the pointless battle outside the black gate as Frodo sneaks in the back door and drops the ring into Mount Doom that was Mizzou last year you had yeah. a complacent somewhat distracted Georgia that wasn't really taking it seriously well now due to the scare due to the fact that you're ranked 12 due to the fact they're actually good this year you now are getting the full focus of Sauron's gaze and I just don't see how Mizzou's going to hold up under that intensity. Who is Cody Schrader in this analogy? Is he uh, is he Frodo or Samwise? He's Sam. Sam. Cody's oh, massive of Sam energy. I mean, for sure, dude. Not you know, not like overly talented, but gritty. You know, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry the rock. Let's do it. I love Cody Schrader. Um, and, and you could say that maybe he's better than anybody Georgia has. Sure, whatever. Like I'll, 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 I'll give credit to that. But again, every other spot, Georgia is better. So maybe, maybe the Frodo and Sam that is Brady Cook and and Cody Schrader can get it done. And obviously, Luther Burden would probably be like Aragorn or something because he's so badass. He's Gandalf. He's magic. Like yeah, exactly. He could be Gandalf. Sure. Yes. Like one of the actual like really good fighters. I you. I'm gonna have to. We didn't know each other at this time. Uh, etiquette question. Yeah. So when I saw the return of the king in the theater, I might have started a Rudy, Rudy chant oh, no. as they were going up Mount Doom. Was I wrong to do that? I think I think so. Yes. Okay. I think I think I think you are talking about one of the premier emotional moments of um, the trilogy there. And well, I guess I guess it comes down to this. Was it born from a place of genuine excitement or was it born out of a more cynical humor? Because here you had Sean Astin pulling a Rudy-esque sort of moment. Yeah. Like, like, were you genuinely caught up in the moment and just excited or was it trying to be funny? Because therein lies the key to all of this. Genuine excitement and a love okay. of Sean Astin. Okay. Okay. Pure then, then, love then, of Sean Astin. Then that, then that's forgivable. Okay. It's still not advisable, but that's forgivable for All sure. Right. Cause I mean, look to, to be clear, I think the theater that I was in, I'm pretty sure had like spontaneous cheers erupt. Like oh, yeah. people were feeling that moment. It was an awesome moment. LSU. They're not going to Mount doom. That's that's that, that civilization in decline. 
Mizzou's yeah, going no, to no, Mount no, Doom no. this they don't, they don't get They don't yeah. get Mordor status anymore. Yeah, yeah. This Mordor. It will look like it when those LEDs are lit up red, but this ain't Mordor no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get the get the hell out of here. How about this? So I, I'm sad that I messed up. I, I want to get the Conan um, oh, saying absolutely it, correct please. here. Uh, so here is what is best in life. To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of their women. Okay? That's the goal for this weekend. That's how you go win on the road. That's what Mizzou and LSU are going to attempt to accomplish. The lamentation of sorority sisters dressed yeah. in their finest. Yes. Those are the loudest lamentations. T-Bob Aver, Ooh. thank you so much. I mean, I don't know. My personal favorite lamentations are the ex-frat boy. The 30-plus-year-old financial <laughs> advisor who's used to being the boss in the workplace, but is oh. just so sad because his favorite football team lost. He, he can't oh. even he can't even get his puffer vest unzipped. Yeah, oh, he's furious. And then he's mean <laughs> to his kids because of it. His wife's like, what the hell's wrong with you? Oh, it's the absolute best. We're going to get those videos this weekend, no matter what happens. That is true. That is true, because LSU has plenty of those as well. <laughs> All right, Bob. Thank you. All right, Andy, you take it easy, man. Y'all have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. T-Bob Bear quoting Conan the Barbarian. And imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger getting that script when English still very much a second language at that point. Here you go, Arnold. Here's a lot of syllables. Good luck with this. He handled it very well. Very well. You know who else handles things well? Brian Hudson. He's the center for Louisville. He's the old man of the team. His old team is coming to town to play this weekend. Louisville plays Virginia Tech. That is where Hudson spent his first two years. But now he is the I don't know, grandfather, granduncle. He's the married guy on a team that is young, that is learning to win, that is winning a lot right now, and is in a really good position to potentially make the ACC title game. We talked to Brian about playing his old team, about firing up the smoker for the rest of the offense. We are joined now by Louisville center, Brian Hudson, who's playing his old team this week. The Cardinals have Virginia Tech. And, and Brian, so you you spent your first two years in Blacksburg. And what's it like going against guys that, that you roomed with and, and practiced against every day? Yeah, it's it, it'll be a really cool experience. You know, I'm excited to, to one, just see him again. And, uh, you know, it'll be really cool to be able to just, um, you know, go up against them. And it'll be it will be a little bit weird, you know, just because I, I had a relationship with some of those guys. But, um, you know, it'll be a really cool experience and I'm excited about it. So they're they're coming to your place. You don't get to, to take the new teammates to see or Sandman. But uh, mm -hmm. well, what I, I will ask you, since you've been a Virginia Tech player, what is that like? Oh, it's it's unreal. It definitely lives up to the hype. You know, it's it's it just gives you chills every single time, even just watching it on TV or, you know, on 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 social media. It's 
it's an unreal experience um, that I, I was very fortunate enough to to be able to to have, and you know, it's 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 an unreal experience. I, I do, you know, it, it would be cool to experience it one more time, but you know, it'll be good to to have these guys come up and, and play at our house. Is is that weird? Because I know like that song still gets played everywhere. If you just randomly hear it, does it just take you back? Oh yeah, <laughs> it does. Even at some of our games, it you know they play it, and it's, yeah. A popular song you know at, at just athletic events in general so uh it does take me back so what this year has been very special for you guys at louisville you and, and it's first year under jeff brom you know you got a bunch of uh, guys who came in and are helping you out but also you guys that were there under coach satterfield having you know your best year what what's it been like since since he got there yeah it's it's been incredible they've Coach Brom and the whole staff that he's brought in has obviously done an incredible job, um, you know, just bringing, the, you know, the type of culture that, that he wants and, and, you know, just bringing a, a sense of, you know, pride to the city and uh, to, to this town and this school that, you know, with not only him, but several people that he brought several coaches to the staff are alumni or have some type of connection to the city of Louisville. And so um, they've done a really good job with, you know, just improving the culture here and, and, you know, bringing just that standard of excellence that he has. Um, and it's shown the season so far. So it's been, it's, he's done an awesome job and credit to him and the staff. When did y'all realize that, that this team could be really good? Well, to be honest, it, it started early in this off season when, you know, not too long after coach got here and, you know, just, I saw the shift in a lot of the, just the overall team's mindset mm -hmm. and just how they came to work every single day starting in you know in this later on in the spring in the summer and it obviously creeped into fall camp and in the season and it was just that that shift in you know coming to work every day doing things the right way on a consistent basis and you know the more and more I saw that personally I was I was I remember talking to several of the guys and just saying, you know, we have a really we have a chance to be special. And, uh, you know, it's it's heading in that direction. And, you know, like we've said, it's we've been fortunate enough to have a really good season so far up to this point. And, uh, you know, they do a good job of every, every week to week, you know, kind of resetting our mindset and, and mm -hmm. going to the same every week, the same exact way with the same level of preparation. And, uh, you know, it's it's shown. What was that that reset like during the bye week? Because you you guys beat Notre Dame, and then you're banged up and you lose to Pitt, and you got to get things settled down. Whatever they did must have worked because you come out and shut out Duke. But what what was it that that happened during that week? Yeah, I think you know for one, it was a great chance for a lot of the guys to get healthy and you know just kind of have a really short break away from from the the in season you know, part of it and just, and the, the kind of overload of, of what we go through, but it yeah, it was just a chance to reset. And I think it just kind of, especially going, going into that bye week having come off of a loss that really set with us. And it, and it, you could tell the response from this team immediately on Sunday after that uh, pit game was, was a great response. You know, we came in ready to work, ready to learn and, and correct the mistakes that we made. And because uh, we, you know, we didn't want to let that happen again. So, um, you know, it, it led to a great bye week. A lot of guys got healthy, as I said, and, and we had a great week of practice this, uh, this past week and it showed on Saturday.
I was gonna say, were you one of those guys? Because I know you were you were limited in practice, but but just playing every snap still. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. It was great for me, you know, because I've been dealing with with a knee injury uh, this season, and um, so it was it was good to just kind of have a little bit of a rest for my for my body as a whole, and just get extra treatment and rehab, um, and and just be as good as I can be on uh, Saturday. So you you are you are the old man on this team. Uh, Mar- married guy got married over the summer. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank, you. Uh, Thank you. What what is that? What is that like? I mean, I, I'm sure you see these freshmen; they're living a completely different life than you now. Yeah, it's it's different. You know, they they joke about that with me all the time. You know, being the old guy on the team and uh, and you know the, the grandfathers, some of them call me. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I just love being able to 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 learn with those guys and to, and to share, you know, what I've learned with them and just kind of help them, you know, cause they're, you know, especially like you mentioned those freshmen, they're, you know, just beginning their, their college career and experience. And so it, it's been awesome. I, uh, I read that you, you had, you know, quarterbacks and the rest of the linemen and the running backs over for a cookout earlier this year. Is, is that the first, you know, hosting as a married couple, bring every big big get together it was yeah it was it was it was really nice uh nice opportunity to have that you know i just wanted to to you know have have the whole or most of the offense over and um so it was it was a really cool experience and a great you know chance to you know see, have them over to the house and and it was cool for me and my wife to you know be able to host those guys and and she loved it so it was uh, it was just overall a great great weekend What's on the menu for something like that? So we had a couple of the guys came over. A couple, a few of the quarterbacks came over and helped help on the helped on the grill. But really, uh, yeah, they they wanted to come over and take care of the line. So um, I, I smoked some some ribs and we had uh, some burgers and hot dogs and stuff. Um, some brats and um, a few of the guys brought over some sides. So it was it was a it was it was an awesome day. So now we're talking. Okay, how, when we're smoking ribs, do we do the two-two-two method? How do how do we do it? I, I'm I'm a three-two-one guy. Three-two. So, okay. Yeah, three-two-one. That's what very I do. nice. <laughs> very nice. And and so what what is your your preferred cut of rib? Are you like a St. Louis style, or do you want to you want the whole thing? Yeah. I well I've what I what I did this summer was mostly just the baby back ribs. Um, oh, your baby so, back. Okay. Yeah, baby back. Yeah, that's what I do uh, mostly. And I, I, I made, made my own rub for it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really cool, but yeah, I'm a three, two, one, uh, method guy. And, and I've, I've used the smoker every chance I get. <laughs> That's beautiful. What, what else do you smoke? Uh, I've done most, mostly ribs. I've done, uh, smoked chicken wings. I've done, I, I don't know if my smoker is big enough for a brisket. I'm really, I'm trying to, trying to do, do a brisket, uh, you know, by the end of this year, but, I don't know if my smoker's big enough, but mostly just ribs and wings and stuff like that. High degree of difficulty on the brisket, but worth yeah. it if it works out. But I, I will give you a tip. So a lot of people, a lot of grocery stores now are selling pork belly mm-hmm. in the in the yeah. meat department. So you do the pork belly burn ends, and it is okay. like candy. It's really? it's so and it's it's really easy to do. It takes less time than than your ribs or your chicken or or pork butt or anything like that. And uh it's one of those that, that, that when you serve it, people are like, what is this? <laughs> I'll have to give that a try then. 
<laughs> so the, the QBs sure. took over the grill, huh? I like I like that. Which yeah, they, which QBs were the ones that 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 were good on the grill? It was so Evan Conley is the main one that was mm -hmm. uh, whipping it up over there, and Jack uh, got on it as well. Um, but they, yeah, he he texted me whenever we were kind of planning it a few a night or two before. Um, Evan was talking to me, and he was like, "Yeah, he he wanted to do some of the grilling, and uh, and Jack and the quarterbacks wanted to wanted to take care of us linemen, so." They uh, they got on the grill and, and whipped us up some burgers and hot dogs. See, you should you that's that's when you know this is this is yeah. a team. This group is together. Exactly. So, <laughs> how much fun has this been for you? I mean, you've you've had a lot of different college experiences between the two years at Tech and the and the two year two previous years at Louisville. Yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, like I said, and we've been talking about just the bond that we have with this team. Um, it just it, it feels different, you know, and, and I talked to several of the guys like Michael Gonzalez and Renato and some of those on the whole line that, you know, it, it just feels different, you know, than, than past teams. And then for me, um, every year that I've had in college previous uh, to this one. And so just that that bond and the, the close relationship that we have as a whole team, but especially in this O line room, uh, it's it's special and it makes a lot of fun at practice, you know. Uh, a lot of guys are holding each other accountable. It's you don't have to, you know, worry about you know the the stragglers on the team or anything like that. So um, it, it just it makes for a fun experience, and and winning is fun. So you know that that helps. <laughs> so I always ask every offensive lineman we have on the show the same question. We've already talked barbecue, but now we we, we do have to talk steak for one question. What okay. is your ideal steak cut, and how do you have it cooked? So. <laughs> that's a really good question i i think ribeye is mm -hmm. is is one of the better ones and i always get it medium are you we're, okay medium medium yeah. seems to be the most popular so far we've had a few yeah. medium rares we've had a few medium wells but that seems to be kind of right right there in the sweet spot so yeah i think i think you know depending on where you go you can you can ask for medium rare but my, my usually usual go-to is medium but uh, yeah, well, I mean, we have several guys in here that'll go medium rare and or you know. It's all so. right. It's a little, little pink never hurt me. I'm a rare guy, oh. so I'm I'm fine with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much, and uh, and good luck against your old teammates. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. That's Brian Hudson. He blocks and he makes baby backs. Not much more you can ask for in the center. There, there just really isn't been a great week this is going to be an incredible weekend these games are going to be fantastic whether it's texas and kansas state georgia and missouri lsu and alabama usc and washington you name it it's going to be awesome so go have fun go be safe and i'll talk to you guys after the games Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads 
money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.